It's a Tuesday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. Welcome and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Taylor Charleston will be in with a feature report, and I'll have a look at regional and national agricultural news beginning with regional ag news right after this word from our sponsor. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. The climate crisis is among the key factors in a new assessment that shows more than 85% of California's rural and unincorporated land is now in high or very high severity zones for wildfire danger, according to the state's Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. California's new proposed fire hazard severity zone map, which analyzes the only land that CAL FIRE is responsible for and is mainly used for insurance purposes, is based on long-term data and created to last a decade or more. The previous version, which was done in 2007, was considered out of date. The amount of land in very high severity zones saw a significant jump, increasing by 14.6% in a fresh analysis. If the proposed map is approved, nearly 17 million acres in an area larger than the state of West Virginia will be in CAL FIRE's worst designation, according to an article on CNN. A lot has happened since 2007, CAL FIRE said in a release announcing the update. Using the best available science with academic researchers and others, this updated map reflects the impact of a changing climate and includes a variety of other key factors. Around 98% of California is in drought conditions, according to the latest U.S. Drought Monitor report, as the state remains in the grips of a multi-year mega drought fueled by warmer temperatures and drier conditions. Farm workers are a crucial link in a food supply chain, a fact that came sharply into focus during the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. To keep these workers healthy, there is a need for more data on farm workers' health. A new study published by the University of California scientists looks beyond work-related health concerns such as heat and pesticide exposure to the general health of people who help plant, nurture, and harvest food in California. The study findings confirm the highly chronic disease burden in a workforce that is considered essential but lacks adequate access to health care and safety net programs, according to Susanna Matias, lead author and UC Cooperative Extension Specialist in the UC Berkeley Department of Nutritional Sciences and Toxicology. There is a concern because California needs a healthy farm worker workforce. These workers are key to putting food on our tables and should be protected and supported as any other California worker. After reading a study, an advocate for women farm workers said she sees opportunities to enhance farm workers' health by improving their working conditions by enacting policy governing work permits, child care, pest management, unemployment benefits, access to healthy and affordable food, and safe, affordable housing. To see a broader perspective of farm worker health, Matias analyzed data from three studies by Mark Schenker, UC Davis physician and professor emeritus. Schenker's studies examined farm workers' general health, occupational injuries, and important causes of illness and disease. Causes are so-called social determinants of disease and 
include low income, food insecurity, undocumented immigration status, and poor housing conditions. Those social determinants are particularly negative and impact disease outcomes in the farm worker population, according to Schenker. Too often, farm workers don't have the benefits of other working populations, including adequate health care. Schenker said it is hoped that recognition of this situation can lead to addressing these deficiencies and an improvement in farm worker health. These studies were conducted with farm workers in Mendota, Oxnard, and Watsonville. Matias would like to expand the scope and assess the health of farm workers statewide. Among the new laws that go into effect here in California, farm worker union rights, AB 2183, creates new ways for farm workers to vote in union election, including options for mail-in ballots and authorization cards submitted to the California Agricultural Labor Relations Board, in addition to the existing in-person voting process. This follows the governor, United Farm Workers, and the California Labor Federation having agreed in a letter on clarifying language to be passed during this year's legislative session to address Governor Gavin Newsom's concerns around implementation and voting integrity. Minimum wage increase. California's minimum wage is increased by 50 cents to 15.50. The state codified automatic annual minimum wage increase is tied to inflation, but capped at 3.5% in 2016. Previously, the state of California employed a two-tiered minimum wage system requiring employees with 25 or more employees to pay a higher minimum wage than employers with fewer than 25 employees. As of January 1st, all employers, regardless of size, must provide their employees a minimum wage of not less than $15.50 per hour. California law provides that overtime exempt employees must receive a salary that is not less than two times the state minimum wage. In light of the new increase to the state minimum wage, the minimum annual salary for overtime exempt employees will also increase to $64,480. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Agricultural Marketing Service and the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture Foundation have created a good agricultural practices grower toolkit and corresponding website to increase underserved farmers' access to new and existing markets and USDA food safety certification programs. This initiative was created under an AMS cooperative agreement with the NASDA Foundation. The GAP toolkit includes new and user-friendly educational resources with an emphasis on Group GAP, a USDA farm food safety program that provides a specialty crops industry with opportunities to supply and buy fruits, vegetables, and related products certified as being produced using good agricultural practices. The website and toolkit detail the specifics of the GAP programs, their benefits, expected costs, misconceptions, the audit process, and relevant resources. The GAP toolkit is now online at www.nasda.org front gap dash overview. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees, superior pollination. Sometimes in a vineyard it can be difficult to discern between the need for a liquid or dry fertilizer 
These days, vineyards can contain different blocks with different rootstock and scion combinations than other blocks, thus requiring a different level of fertilization. If there's one irrigation set and everything is getting irrigated the same way, how can these differing blocks actually be addressed? CCA Paul Kraut helped answer that question on a fertilization panel at the Grape and Wine meeting last November. That's the, the power of um, you know dry applications in the fall and, and the winter. Um, I'm, I, I really like to, to include those because that allows us to you know get make some some changes both you know fertility wise as well as as you know amendment wise so you know jumping in and talking about other things like you know compost and and incorporating organic matter and you know adding you know calcium in the form of either gypsum or lime um, and then another big one for for me on the coast is is uh, potassium we have very you know calcium dominated soils in a lot of situations um, or magnesium dominated soils but potassium always seems to be um, limiting and so yeah I, I include dries in a um, not quite what I would call it, consider a variable rate situation but but we do do selective um, you know block specific recommendations for dry because we can we can get away with that um, and and very typically we vary the you know I vary the the rate, because usually I see some consistency across the board in, okay, potassium or calcium or whatever, uh, or sulfur, and we then go and, and vary the rate by block. And, and again, making it, making it um, as somewhat user-friendly as, as possible. There's some, there's some variable rate technology out there um, that allows us to vary the, um, you know, the amount based on, you know, based on soil mapping and, and we, I do that a bit as well, um, but the key I, I think with dry is, is then then getting it incorporated. Um, just banding under the vine is not very effective, in my opinion. Um, we really need to to get dries incorporated into you know into at least the top 12 inches of the soil where those roots are. So I um, I like. Uh, implements that uh, such as gandy boxes that can distribute dry material uh, right behind say a ripper um, that is you know going through the going through and depositing the the dry material in the soil um, I usually do that every other row just because I don't want to I'm, I'm I don't like tillage a lot but uh, you know I guess it really depends on on the on the grower as well whether their you know their their goals are because um, you know, really, are they conventional? Are they sustainable? Are they organic? Are they biodynamic? Are they re regenerative? What, whatever, whatever, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, label that they want to put on it, that, that really changes and, and affects the, the type of inputs that we, that we make. Um, and so it changes the strategy. So you got to be, I think, got to be flexible with that. So, uh, but yeah, dries are key. And then, like you said, like, Said earlier, liquids kind of you're 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 tied with uh, with what your your irrigation is. Also present on the fertilization panel was UCCE Viticulture Farm Advisor Tian Tian, who offered her own opinion and expertise on the use of liquid and dry fertilizers in vineyards. She said a goal of fertilization programs that use either formulation should be to decrease variability present in the vineyard. When we use a liquid fertilizer, let's say nitrogen is the ones more intensively managed in all vineyards I know of. If you have an irrigation system has 
that is not uniformly distribute water. So when you put fertilizer, especially nitrogen fertilizer in the line, it will be more lead to the bigger vines will get more water and more nutrient. That can be something to think about. Um, it's you need to maintain your irrigation system to make the other practice to go as smoothly. I feel uh, like Paul said, dry fertilizer can be a way to kind of balance that one out. Um, and another thing I want to mention is um, I work mainly in the valley and we have much warmer <laughs> weather and all the things. So for my, I, I, I have a discussion with grower and just say, I say, why you guys were not incorporate the compost and you try to leave it on the surface? And they said, it's, there's two things there. They, they say they did little comparison, not replicate trial, and they just say what they find there's two things in their mind. First is they want the compost to act as a slow-release fertilizer. And so if you put it on the top and then it's slowly releasing the nutrient, it can be catched by the vine. And that's the first thing. And the second thing is they say compost has been improving water penetration even you put on the surface. Um, that is not scientific approved. That's just observation. And so that's the reason they choose to do that. So I think that shows as a good example that different regions, you will have a different program for different reasons to manage your vineyard differently. But I'm a big fan of adding organic matter back to the vineyard. Um, in the valley, we have a lot of soil really low in organic matter. And we do, for a lot of good aspects, many aspects, increasing soil organic matter is a good try. To hear more from these panelists on grape nutrition and fertilization, stay tuned for future episodes on the My Ag Life Daily News Report, and also read the upcoming February-March 2023 edition of Grape & Wine Magazine for an article summarizing the main points of the panel. For My Ag Life, I'm Taylor Charlstrom. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. The National Association of Conservation Districts is grateful the fiscal year 2023 omnibus appropriations bill passed the House last week and was sent to the White House for signing. They say the agreement supports voluntary locally led conservation efforts across the country by providing strong funding for critical conservation programs and initiatives. The package includes no cuts to mandatory spending for USDA Farm Bill conservation programs. It also has $941 million for natural resources conservation service operations, including more than $800 million dollars for conservation technical assistance. That's a $40 million increase compared to the 2022 funding level. The funding supports the work of conservation districts and other local partners to help producers assess resource needs, develop conservation plans, and implement effective conservation practices. There's also $925 million for the NRCS Emergency Watershed Protection Program, of which $75 million goes to watershed protection and flood prevention operations.
The U.S. inventory of all hogs and pigs on December 1st was 73.1 million head. The recent hog and pig report says that's down from December 1st of last year and 1% lower than September 1st of 2022. The breeding inventory was up slightly from last year and slightly higher than the prior quarter. Market hog inventory down 2% from last year and 1% lower than the last quarter in 2022. Managing farm and risk management will be key in writing the next farm bill after the recent turbulence of inflation, COVID-19, war, and storms. The challenge will be tight budgets. The American Farm Bureau Federation says risk management tools like Title I's ARC and PLC will be key for shallow loss coverage. But Iowa farmer and Senator Chuck Grassley says he'll also be fighting for other farm bill programs in the new year. Keeping the uh, crop insurance program pretty much like it is, some tweaking to CRP. Uh, it would include more money for agricultural research and money for uh, foreign agricultural sales, promotion of it. But the question is how to get that money amid competition for scarce dollars and in more conservation GOP-controlled house. Grasley vows to renew his fight for failed payment limits in the 2014 Farm Bill. What we have today is just a, a spit in the ocean compared to what I tried to accomplish then. But I'm going to go back to my original uh, approach, and it's it'll save the taxpayers a lot of money. We're going to need more money for the farm bill, and that's one way to get it. AFBF, in its latest analysis, says producers need a variety of risk management tools amid the unprecedented events of recent years. United Farm Worker leadership laid the blame for a lack of action in Washington on immigration at the feet of the Republican Party and the American Farm Bureau Federation. The Senate decided not to include worker immigration legislation in a fiscal year 2023 omnibus appropriations bill. The omnibus passed the House last week and is on its way to the president's desk for a signature. It's a bitter disappointment for farm workers across the country who have earned the right to legal status through the sweat of their brow, according to UFW President Teresa Romero. She called it unsurprising saying that leaders of both groups want to keep farm workers living in fear and uncertainty. They know that an undocumented workforce is easier to intimidate and exploit, she says. AFBF says the legislation will lead to wild swings in wage rates beyond the reach of many farmers and ranchers. The total value of U.S. exports has grown at an average annual rate of 6% since 2002, reaching a record high of $1.4 trillion in fiscal year 2021. Ag's share of the total U.S. exports has steadily increased between fiscal years 2002 and 2021. The value of America's ag product exports rose by an average of 11% annually, exceeding the overall rate of increase for total U.S. exports. A new USA report shows retail food prices increased 8.9% in the first seven months of this year. That increase is higher than the rate over the same time last year and 2020. All 13 food categories in the USA report experienced faster price increases so far in 2022 compared with the same period last year and the historical average price increases through July. All food categories saw price increases of at least 4% during the first seven months of 2022. Three food category prices increased by more than 10%. Eggs at 21%, fats and oils were up 13%, and poultry rose 12%. Inflationary pressures differ by category. For example, eggs and poultry prices currently are much higher than their historical average because of an outbreak of highly pathogenic avian influenza. Fresh vegetables increased the least of all categories in the first seven months of this year. 
President Xi Jinping is pushing for China to accelerate efforts to achieve self-reliance in agriculture technology. Farm Dog Policy News says China's president identified seed development and core equipment among the areas he'd like the country to focus on. The central leadership had said in 2020 that the country's seed industry was a weak link in its food chain and they need to make more and better use of science and technology to turn that sector around. The value of farmland is continuing to rise in many markets. USA Ag News reporter Gary Crawford. Many farmers are wrapping up 2022 in pretty good financial shape. And you can see that in pressures on land prices. Upward pressures on land prices, of course. This from USDA's chief economist Seth Meyer. He told us. We saw uh, assets and equities rise in 2022 and even some declines in debt. Really modest declines in debt, but some declines in debt with rising asset valuations. Including farmland. Meyer says you should not, though, judge the entire farmland market from a few reportedly very high prices in a few Midwest auctions. But I think it does tell you that for some producers in some sectors, it's been a good year. Cash is on hand. Asset values are increasing. And I think that that is and has provided a little bit of land price pressures. The other day, the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago reported Midwest farmland values jumping 20 percent during the third quarter of the year, making for 11 straight months of rising farmland values. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Sponsored by the California Walnut Boarding Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.